The Royals drafted Alex Gordon in the summer of 2005. They lost 106 games that summer, and it's hard to overstate how bad they really were. Uh, Alex was looked at as the savior by a lot of people. Uh, Left-handed hitting, third baseman, blue eyes, kind of shaggy blonde hair, and it was easy for people to make the comparison to George Brett. I was covering the Royals at the time, and I thought that the comparison was ridiculous. And I told myself, promised myself that I would never use it in print until George Brett himself said that he was honored by the comparison. And at that point, I felt like there was no choice, really. Uh, it was completely unfair um, for Alex to be uh, you know, thrown into that situation for so many expectations. But it, 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 that was the way that it was for him, and he never complained about it. Um, he tried to embrace it as best he could through all the silliness of a error rookie card uh, that came out that was sold for hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars before he even played in the big leagues. Uh, his first at-bat in the big leagues, um, he had a standing ovation. Uh, it was his second standing ovation of the day, actually, before he'd ever had a professional at-bat. It came, uh, came with the bases loaded, and he ended the inning uh, with an out. There was you know, some... Uh, symbolism in that, I would say, because the beginning of his career was was pretty terrible. Um, he struggled. Um, he struggled a lot uh, defensively. Uh, he struggled at the plate. Um, you know, they, they had to switch positions. They demoted him a few times. And, and uh, I think the turning point that I think a lot of people, a lot of Royals fans will remember was in September of 2010. And uh, at that point, he was 26 years old. Um, that was the end of his fourth big league season. And by then, a lot of people had just written him off as a complete bust and, uh, you know, kind of given up hope. Um, the Royals were out of ideas in some ways, and they moved him to left field uh, from third base, just betting on his athleticism. And, you know, they basically had no other option. They didn't know what else to do, and they thought that maybe moving him to left field would clear his brain and, and allow him to be a good player. And uh, the, in September of that year, I'll never forget, he told uh, Bob Dutton, who was our beat writer at the time, um, that he planned on dominating the next year. And Bob's eyes got real wide, and he go, oh, dominate. And he said, yeah, dominate. And I think Bob even went back to Alex, um, you know, later on in that day and said, you know how this is going to read? I just want to make sure you want to say dominate. And Alex said, yes, I mean dominate. In 2010, he hit 215 with a 315 on base percentage and the 355 slugging percentage. That same guy, after saying that he would dominate the next year, hit 303 with a 376 on base and a 502 slugging percentage. Uh, he, he even got some MVP votes that year. It was uh, still uh, his best offensive season. Um, it was a breakout in so many ways. He didn't make the All-Star game that year just because uh, you know All-Star voting and All-Star recognition tends to lag a little bit. Um, behind actual accomplishment, but he did win a gold glove um, that year, his first year playing uh, left field full-time. And, you know, I think everybody that follows the Royals uh, knows what happens after that. Um, He became, you know, really the symbol of the Royals' rise from uh, the absolute rubble of Major League Baseball, um, first to competitiveness, then to a winning season in 2013, then the postseason in 2014 and a world championship in 2015 Um, he is going to have I don't think there's any doubt that he'll be inducted into the Royals Hall of Fame someday Um, he has a chance depending on what happens this winter and um, the years after that I think he has a legitimate chance to have his number retired 
Um, he is, in some ways, you know, I, I don't think that he's ever going to be the next George Brett, and um, that's a completely unfair label to put on anybody. But I do think that in a lot of ways he is the best Royals player since George Brett, the best position player since George Brett. I know there's uh, an argument to be made for Carlos Beltran, um, but I think if you look at some of the advanced numbers, um, you know, wins above replacement and some other things, he's had uh, both a higher peak with the Royals than Beltran did and certainly a, a longer and uh, and more distinguished career. So it's a, it's a heck of a ride. Um, and, and I think that there's just a really beautiful symmetry between, um, you know, Alex's uh, determination, um, you know, kind of legendary, at least locally legendary hard work, um, you know, very humble, uh, but yet very confident uh, rise from, you know, a, a nobody, a bust, uh, really, uh, to one of the best players in, in all of baseball. So uh, no matter what happens this offseason, um, you know, Alex Gordon will be remembered as one of the best Royals players of all time. The Royals caravan one year, uh, and I wish I could remember which winter it was, uh, but it went through Nebraska, and obviously this was the the Alex Gordon show. And uh, I remember we stopped at a, uh, a sports bar there in Lincoln, and uh, the line was out the door by the time the bus pulled up. I think people waited you know, literally hours um, to meet Alex, to shake his hand, to get something signed by him. And I, I sat next to him through that whole thing for, uh, for the story I was doing. And it was remarkable to me how many people came up to him and said, uh, you know, I remember you in Little League at, and they named the field. I played against your brother at, you know, and they named the high school. I remember watching you in the high school, you know, sectional playoffs or whatever. And uh, everybody there had, um, you know, such a personal connection to him. It was, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll never forget that it was probably five years ago. Um, and I still remember that. I remember um, afterward, and he signed about half hour longer than he was supposed to. Um, and afterward, he just said, I got to pee. And he just got up. And, uh, and he rushed into the bathroom. And later on, he told me that somebody followed him in there. Um, and he's doing his thing there in the, in the bathroom. And some guy comes in. And he's like, hey, Alex, can you sign this for me? And he just says, can I finish peeing? <laughs> and he walked out of the door. And sure enough, I mean, Alex has always been, uh, you know, at least in my experience. And I've never heard stories that say otherwise, just unfailingly polite and uh, respectful. And I think that that's one of the things that makes him, you know, if you took a poll in the Royals organization of their favorite player, uh, the only person I think that would give Alex a run for his money would be Salvador Perez. Um, you know, if you just said, who's your favorite Royals player? And I'm talking about the scouts, um, the executives, the coaches, all of that. It would be one of those two, I, I, I'm almost sure. And, um, you know, I, I think that... Uh, if you took a poll amongst Royals fans, it would probably be kind of the same way. And and I think that what Royals fans are always going to remember um, about Alex, no matter how the rest of this goes, is, you know, how hard he works, uh, the shape that he keeps himself in. Um, you know, I've always thought if this baseball thing doesn't work out, he could model for men's health. Um, you know, he's uh, he, he can remember the last time he ate a piece of cake, the last time he had a Coke, things like that. Um, and, and it's a long time ago, too, by the way. Um, so I think people respect that. They respect the dedication that he's shown to baseball. I think um, they especially respect um, the way that he never complained when things were going against him. Um, he'd always mention, you know, we're paid a lot of money to play this game. And, you know, some of the negative 
uh, comment some of the the criticisms that you hear. That's that's just part of it. And you know, there's a real bond. Um, I think that that he built with Kansas City for a long time. Uh, I believe he has his off season home in Nebraska now. But for a long time, he lived um, here in Kansas City in Overland Park, and uh, you know, met a lot of people and, and made a lot of connections and and earned a lot of respect and. Um, you know, it doesn't always happen this way that a guy's drafted with a terrible team and, um, you know, builds his way up to individual stardom, um, and, and then team success in really the, the ultimate way. Um, so that's, he'll never be forgotten in Kansas city, no matter what happens, uh, the rest of this way. Alex signed a contract extension in the spring of 2012 with the Royals. And, uh, you know, looking back on it now, we can all see that it was well below, uh, market value, and he he took a lot less money to stay in Kansas City long term. Uh, but at the time, there was some risk on the Royal side. Uh, you know, Alex had just had the one good season um, in 2011, and um, you know, no matter what anybody says right now, there was some disagreement within the industry um, uh, about you know which was the real Alex Gordon. Was it the the four years before? Uh, 2011 when when he really struggled and struck out way too much and couldn't get on base and struggled defensively or was it 2011 when he was legitimately one of the best players in all of baseball and the the thing that I remember about that spring um, you know everybody knew the Royals talked openly um, they didn't exchange numbers or anything but they talked openly about yes we are trying to sign Alex and Alex you know talked about you know yeah this is a place that I'm very comfortable but you know baseball is a business and stuff like that and uh, you know then in the spring and it was it was the last week of spring training and it may have even been the last day that the Royals were in surprise but I know it was it was way toward the end of spring training and you know they finally got the deal done and they had the press conference and you know, Alex is, you know, very, um, I don't want to say he's, he's not quiet. People say he's quiet sometimes. Um, and I, I think that gives off the wrong impression. He's not, he doesn't talk a lot, but he's not shy. Um, he's kind of a, you know, a man of, of no wasted words. And one of the things I remember, um, you know, in that press conference was, um, you know, him saying, Basically, I told Casey, his agent is Casey Close, I told Casey uh, that whatever deal the Royals got, you know, you work and you get the best deal possible, but no matter what, whatever the Royals' final offer is, I'm going to sign that. And uh, he said that, and I remember Dayton, I think, just said, well, I wish I would have known that, you know, when we were going through the, the negotiations. But, um, you know, he definitely took less money to stay in Kansas City, and, um, you know, people here, I think, are, are always going to be grateful for that. And, um, you know, it kind of sets up now, um, you know, his first free agency. He could have been a free agent a few years ago. Um, but now this kind of weird situation where, you know, I think that if all other things were equal, he probably would stay in Kansas City. If this was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when the Royals could offer as much or almost as much money as anybody else, you know, maybe he would stay in Kansas City. But, um, you know, baseball is very much a business. Um, the Royals are a business. Um, all of these players uh, are individual businesses. And, and I think that, you know, there's just a, a financial reality that I think most fans understand, um, but can be frustrating when you see a guy that has spent his whole career and, uh, you know, just kind of the, the financial realities of baseball, um, you know, may or may not be pushing him outside of Kansas City. When people close their eyes and think about Alex Gordon, I think they're going to remember two things in particular. Uh, one of them is all the times that he's crashed into the wall making a catch in the outfield. Um, you know, the, there was a catch early in the season in Chicago where he ended up in the second or third row 
of the stands making a catch. And, um, you know, I've watched that highlight so many times. And, um, you know, I just remember Ryan Lefevre when he's on the call, he says, no way. When, uh, you know, Alex comes up with the ball, Rustin Dodd, um, wrote a really cool story. Uh, after that catch too, there was a guy in the stands that took this beautiful picture of Alex just with his back on the concrete floor of, of, uh, U.S. Cellular Field um, and a White Sox fan right there. And it was just, it's a very beautiful picture. Um, and uh, and the, the other catch was in, I think it was the ALCS last year against Baltimore. Um, and he made a, a, a catch run, sprinting away from the plate into the wall, made the catch, uh, crushed the wall, came down on the ground, and, uh, you know, you just knew at that point you'd seen that so many times. You knew he had the catch. You knew he was fine. And I remember just thinking, I hope the wall's okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think people also remember him, him joking earlier this season in 2015 about, um, you know, one of his sons, uh, you know, kind of not makes fun of him, but like does the Alex Gordon. He says, Alex Gordon to the wall and bounces off the wall of his house and just lays there for three or four seconds. And, uh, you know, with, with the drama building, did he catch it? Did he not? And the, the other moment though, the other like on field thing that I think people will never forget is the home run in game one of the world series against, uh, Familia, um, that, that really, if you think about it, um, and who knows the, the Royals were, were better than the Mets in a lot of ways. Um, and they were the better team and, and, you know, probably maybe they would have won anyway, but if he doesn't hit that home run in the bottom of the ninth, and if the Mets win game one in Kansas City and what everybody remembers about that game is Eric Hosmer's error and uh, and the Royals losing home field advantage right away in the World Series. I mean, who knows how the rest of that goes? Maybe, maybe it just means the Royals would have won in six instead of five. Um, but there's a lot of people that were involved in both sides of the World Series, by the way, who think that, you know, that absolutely changed uh the rest of the series and uh, was an enormous reason uh, why the Royals won that. So, um, you know, he has, you know, sort of the the same way that people remember uh, 1985 Game 3 of the ALCS, which most people around Kansas City with the Royals uh, just refer to as the George Brett game. I uh, went four for four, scored four runs, hit two home runs, had three RBIs, and made what George himself and a lot of other people have called the best defensive play of his career. I think people, in the in the same way they remember that, they're going to remember Alex's home run in the bottom of the ninth of Game One of the 2015 World Series. That's a hard home run to hit too uh, against a sinker baller to get the ball in the air like that way over. Uh, the center field fence at Kauffman Stadium. Uh, and then, of course, the, the Royals ended up winning the game in 14 innings on Eric Hosmer's sacrifice fly. And I think he probably holds the unofficial record for the biggest bat flip off an of RBI sack fly in the history of baseball. And really uh, set a tone for the World Series um, and, and uh, a moment that I think people will never forget.